centuries, the Society of the Black Dragon has sanctioned an ancient rite of combat known as the Kumite. Open only to the world's most lethal warriors. It has never been won by a Westerner. You are not Japanese. I can do it. Now, for the first time, the true story of America's super agent can be revealed. Revealed. Hi, this is Ross Payton with Roleplaying Public Radio. This is RPPR, episode 66, Building Better Worlds. And with me, as always, is Dom Church. Now, it's watching you, it's it's like watching Ron Burgundy in that opening scene, like unique New York. The yep. human torch was denied a bank loan. <laughs> it's like you're it, it's like you're doing enunciation practice, you know, I, exercises. I, have to say, I feel sorry for the human torch. It's discriminatory practices. But, no, they can just burn the fucker down. Uh, redlining. Um, so anyways, <laughs> uh, we're back. Uh, we uh, have a lot to talk about. This episode is going to be talking about world building. Uh, what not to do and what to do when uh, constructing your own world or uh, – uh, by world, we don't necessarily mean entire it's planet a, or whatever. Whether city, Setting, planet, galaxy, yeah, whatever. Wherever your campaign takes place, that's world building. Pocket dimension in, the, in a in a broom closet or something. Yes, that's exactly. Or it could be an actual room if you're like, it's <laughs> Little Veers. Everyone's playing a toy and you're in the little boy's room. But that's it. It's Toy Story. But with goblins. And demons. And, and demons, of course. And, and Lovecraftian and Lovecraftian horror. It has horror. to be a grimdark toy. And Lovecraftian story. horrors from Beyond Time and Space. And now people are like, Ross, why don't you run that? You know, so... Why don't uh, you run that, Ross? I'm a monster. That's that's why. Clearly. You'd be perfect for this. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and uh, you, you'd be very good in haunting a little kid's room, too. I... No, that's... I'm it's, not, like, it's like, tell me, Billy, do you like Sartre? And... <laughs> Uh, Go away, mean monster. Yes, let's talk about Adorno. Let's talk about the critical theorist. You see, everything you've been told is a lie of the capitalist system and to you keep can, you in place. And you can literally see the goth makeup forming on his face. <laughs> or the libertarian. He's like, I, Fountainhead, get away from me. And the shark. And then you, you hiss. and Basically, yeah. Um, so anyways, <laughs> uh, in the news, uh, the Killsplosion Kickstarter is off to a very good uh, start. Very nice start, uh, yeah. The, base, the minimum goal has been uh, <laughs> made for $1,250. Right? Made the Currently hell out of it. $1,650, I believe. Uh, we, now, if you read the Kickstarter, we're still wanting to reach exceed that goal uh, because uh, at $2,000, I'll release an expansion to go along with the game, Zombies vs. Humans. Uh, My God, zombies. I know. I this is uh, I'm a one-track uh, broken record, so... Uh, but at twenty five hundred dollars, we'll get a video camera for RPPR and uh, record a lot of great content, including Artemis spaceship simulator, uh, conventions, uh, interviews, panels, game demos. And just imagine uh, making Aaron making Aaron be the captain, him giving out orders that none of us respect. I would. I'm like you. You're. That's you. That's the. Well, I'm not going to respect anyone playing captain. I well. Okay. I'm a whore because yeah. I. You're just going to be like I'm going to shoot everything and I'm Tom and. <laughs> I'm blah, blah. You know, we're going to put you on communications, Tom. That's it. That's all you're going to be. You're just going to sit You there. don't want me to do that, Ross. Why not? Every time we're like, we're being hailed like, it's like, hey, fags, what's up? I don't think hey, fags is <laughs> a part of the game. I think there's certain... Well, I'm going to say that. <laughs> well, yeah. I've actually found out Artemis Spaceship Simulator, and what's really great is you can set up multiple ships in the same little server or whatever. So you could actually, we could actually do a PvP thing where you have half the RPPR crew... As one spaceship and the other one, so we could actually have a death match, a spaceship death match. Now, can you imagine that, people? Can you imagine that? that well, that, if we make the goal, you won't have to imagine it. You'll get to see yeah, it. Yeah, we'll we'll figure out how to do that. I'll bring friends over. We'll get as many people as we can, and we'll <laughs> and, have, and we'll have booze. Well, yeah, it will. 
uh, it will be insane. Everyone will get all nice and plastered before we start. Yeah. So uh, keep on. And also, uh, this isn't just for us. It's for you. If you are an AP fiend, uh, you should donate so you can get early access to preview episodes months ahead of time. Uh, we have an entire World of Darkness campaign, six episodes. We also have Caleb's Dirty World uh, uh, playtest of his Gen Con scenario, The Dangers of Fraternization. I just got a message on Twitter today saying, like, I <clears> like <throat> this so much, I thought uh, I would have paid 20 bucks just to listen to that episode alone. So, and uh, we're not telling you that that gave us ideas or anything. Yeah, no. <laughs> no. Ross, Next, uh, Ross, uh, yeah, Ross is not a capitalist, I assure I, you. Uh, I He's am, in it I'm, for the art. I, no, why are you saying these things? They're lies. I'm trying, Ross. They're lies out of your mouth. I'm Ross. trying to make... Because speaking of that, Zombies of the World, the last episode... Uh, episode buy four, the book. Buy the ebook or buy the book. The ebook's $2.99. I'm just going to leave it at $2.99. The book I raised to $69.95. Still free shipping, and I will still mm. autograph it if you want it autographed. Yeah, or so will all of us. Uh, yes, and uh, yeah, and so will uh, all the RPPR crew. Uh, but the ebook is two ninety nine. It's a great book. Kenneth Height just reviewed it. He loved it. He thought it was great. It's Kenneth Height. He wrote Gerb's Horror. He wrote so many things. You don't even know. Three, two ninety nine. He wrote Trail of Cthulhu. The man who wrote Trail of Cthulhu liked my book. I'm thinking about it. That's, you can't even get two twenty ounce bottles of soda for two ninety nine. Yeah. So just get the PDF. All ten million of you. That's that's the RPPR. Oh, that, and that's the Slight goal. Slight exaggeration. So that's the goal Slight, you want. Yeah, that that's a projection. Um. Okay. Well, I mean, we're, we're I, th- I think we are hoping to get the entire New York metropolitan area. Yeah, I think we can do that. And the country, I think they're all big zombies. And the whole country there. of Norway. I think I think we can. Yeah, we we've got one person from Norway at least. So that all, I already mentioned that. It just takes one. I know. to open the doors. It's an infection. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I think that's enough news. We can forward that up of a listeners to it uh let's get on to the main show topic which would be is world building which is tom you came up with the idea i did because i've i i thought about this because i have had to do building on many scales lately for games yeah yep yeah, uh there's i'm actually there's like one i'm working on now which is a uh like an an under an underground city type setting where i you know i got i you know had to design an under an underground city underneath new york populated yeah. by monsters i Monsters, really, Tom? I know. I, you know, get this. In the game, yeah. you play citizens of this city. Really? You yeah. just got that from that, uh, that uh, uh, Punisher thing they did uh, like a year ago. I'm not going to say that it wasn't, it didn't have, <laughs> it, it didn't have uh, some, some form of inspiration on me. Right. But yes, that's what I'm doing. I'm just going to play a normal person in that. You can't. Man, what do you mean? Man is the worst monster of all. And you're trying, you're, you're the good guys, Ross. No, well, well, my God, um, I mean, that yeah. ideally... You're... Did I just blow your mind? No, Ross, you disappointed me. Damn it, anyway. But uh, also, I'm currently running a sci-fi game where it's a galaxy-wide space opera. Yeah. So I had to design everything for that, and obviously that's many, many planets and many star systems. Right. <laughs> and as I realized, you can't design one exactly like the other. A galaxy and a city are designed differently? Yeah. Is that what you're saying? That's what I'm saying. This is... I, I don't know what to say. This is madness. It, is your mind blown? <laughs> My mind, yes. It, it, it is blown. So t- tell us more about this. Um, well, what I've discovered is with uh, the smaller the thing, the world you're designing, yeah. the more detail you, you put into it. Right. Because you can and you should. Like in the case of the uh, like the underground city, I've got many of the I got most of the prominent citizens, some of the like the marketplace. I've got, you know, the way you get down there. The leaders, I got all kinds of stuff because it's important. Because if you're living in that place, you probably should know that. 
Right. As for the space game, I essentially I have all the all the home worlds. I have some of the bigger space stations and some of the, you know, the you know, hive of scum and villainy type places. Right. But otherwise, I don't unless we're going to unless the players are going to go to that place in a, in a session, I don't really worry myself with too many details. We're going to go to the place that you didn't describe. We're going to go to that one place <laughs> that is not any of the places you've mentioned. Oh, great! And the great thing about that is, if they're first just arriving on it, you can you can kind of bullshit your way out. Just all right, think of a quick planet, um, color of the sky. Is it does that breathe atmosphere? Get that stuff done. It's you, plaid. Everything is plaid. That's oh, it. Ross, you're a player thinking you know things about my game. You don't. <laughs> but no, that I I can do that on a, in a pinch and right. But if it's one place that you're just going to, the whole campaign is going to stay in, you probably should know most of the details about that. And that's what I found, you know. So basically, uh, uh, so the smaller the area is, relatively, uh, the more detail you have. The yeah. larger it is, less detail. So basically, if you want to be, uh, you know, a math nerd <laughs> about it, is the, your, the amount of details you have, you know, relevant bits of information is constant. It's just the density, you know. If you yeah. Get, if you get, let's it's say, what, what your eye can see. Right, 50 pieces of information, you know, 50 details. Uh, in a city, that's going to be pretty, you know, dense. But in a galaxy, they're going to be pretty sparse. Yeah. So uh, if you want to think of it that way, um, I mean, that, that kind of uh, uh, that's one good way of doing it. Uh, now, what I do usually is whenever I sit down to design a world, a setting, uh, I think w- w- the first thing I can think of as the theme or what I why am I interested in running this? Why do I want to spend all this time on this area? Uh, for example, New Arcadia. I wanted to do a superhero thing, but I wanted to have this different take on it where uh, basically there are no uh, uh, wipe the slate clean of heavy movers and shakers. Mm. Uh, you know the Superman, the Doctor Doom types. So, but all the, the but all the toys are still there. All the toys are still there. So I start focusing on the thematic content, like what's important to that. So I think about how do people get superpowers? Uh, what are the sources of normal people getting superpowers? How does government <coughs> respond to that? So I don't. I sort of take a, uh, and then I talk about the city is going to take place, yeah. and so it's like or, half content yeah. and then half. The or city. something I like is also how the is how the political pundits see it. Yeah, I lo- actually I really love the stuff you do with uh, you know like. The Rush Limbaugh types, you know, the, yeah. the people on AM radio, what they say have to say about these right. metahumans. So um, that's the kind of what, so that's like, what I do. These costume heroes are <laughs> bothers, like, they're just blathering about not letting the real authority be not eating. Oh. Yes, that's my, that's, Smith becomes. Well, yeah. that's my, that's my uh, Rush Limbaugh impression. That, can't, can't, can't. I know, God. I thought you were going to justify the Lord's Resistance Army in uh, Africa. So, <laughs> uh, uh, but that's Wait, that's yeah. My acting skills joke. can only go so far. Inside Ross. baseball joke uh, type thing. <laughs> um, basically, yeah. That that's the main idea is to focus on that kind of content, and then of course, then the amount of information I do is probably about similar to you. The amount of work I put in, um, because the main thing that. So either you can t- look about the area and think about how dense it's going to be, or you can think about the theme and focus on that. Um, for me, it's like what is going to be – what are the players going to hit first? What's going to be the stuff that's actually going to be trod out? Um, because the, the central thing in world building is you have to police yourself – uh, about your police yourself over your use of creative energies because no matter how brilliant or inspired you are you do not have a limitless source of creativity and energy in which to do yeah. this and uh, i had a problem on that one time yeah i was it was I, I believe i was actually running a star wars game at the time so this this was a while ago and i came up with this planet right. this planet that the players were going to and i 
I put a week's worth of work into it, just thinking all. I mean, I had like I had this, you know, the shape, you know, the shape of the continents. I had what they were called. I had, you know, like ge- like the names of geographical locations. I had mountain ranges. I had the cities. I had the factions. I had. I had what you know, what color the sky was at what time of day, you know, where the sun rose and set. I mean, I thought this shit out, and I sat down to play. The players got through that got through that section of the game in about two hours. Uh, two sessions or two hours? Oh, sorry, uh, two sessions. Two sessions. Yeah. And uh, after that, gone. And uh, <laughs> let me let me tell you, they could, they could not give two shits about some of the stuff I had thought up. And I the thing, but the great thing is, I think, well, a great thing for me is I realized <laughs> this and didn't try to push it. Right. I realized, all right, they're just interested in the mission. They this is just fluff. So I like, oh, let's just get them through the mission. Right. You were able to adjust on the fly even though. So you had to, you know, be will- I mean, that's the main thing is you ha- uh, uh, we, we said this before is that you have to be willing to kill your darlings. Mm-hmm. Um you have to be willing to sacrifice uh, material you prepared if it's going to improve the game. You have to be, if it's not going to help the game, you know, like it, adding in stuff about when the sun sets. Mm-hmm. You know, you spend five minutes looking at a chart. Well, you're here and the sky is. The sun is at the current aphelion yeah, of. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> you, you can't really do that. Now, this is a real reoccurring problem I've seen a lot in not just role playing games, <laughs> but in fiction and fantasy and sci fi where people, authors, creative types get really really fucking obsessive over world building uh they really get into designing this the, the same thing you did but imagine putting months or even years of work into this stuff i mean you've seen that too yeah. you know people detailing their <laughs> campaign history sci-fi so. and fantasy novels particularly uh, well the thing is that's okay if you can get it published and you have a, if you have a 600 page novel to, that takes place on a single world and it's a really complex idea and you have a lot of stuff in there i can understand that because you know, if you can write a six hundred page novel and you know, and are, you're a good enough writer to get it published, then yeah, I can I can get that. Mm-hmm. You know, Tolkien is the greatest example of that, and that's what a lot of people. But you don't most, fuck with him, right? But well, most people aren't Tolkien. Tolkien yeah. is a lingu- was a linguist and a medieval historian and knew his shit. And I've I've read some authors that want to be him, yeah, but are clearly not. But no one's bothered. But Tolkien it. was also a good storyteller too. <laughs> but and that's the thing is he was good at telling stories. He was he was able. There are two different skill sets, world building and actually storytelling, and you can't confuse the two. You can't decide that because you know where the tectonic plates are on your world and, you know, what color the sky is at, you know, 545 on the on the continent of Azur, you know, <laughs> on the western shores. That Dude, have you been reading my shit? Yeah, I know, right? Um <laughs> That you're suddenly a good storyteller. That's not storytelling. That's just information. And that's like getting a little fucking OCD if you think that's more important yeah. than telling a good story. Yeah. Uh, you remember the. I'm going to pimp Pat Oswalt's book. Yeah. And his audio book. When he was talking about, you know, the, the actual part of it, Zombie Spaceship Wasteland, talking about the two wasteland stories he wrote in high school. And he said the first one he wrote, he says, I spent the first 80 pages literally just equipping my character. Right. And he said, and after, but after I realized I couldn't think of any more cool guns to equip him with, I lost interest. Right. I mean, yeah, that's the kind of thing. It kind of gets into more of like outsider art if you spend more time, you know, like by outsider art, for those of you who aren't art people, uh, <clears throat> the outsider art is what you used to describe people who build like a church out of uh, popsicle sticks, you know, <clears throat> or builds the world's, you know, largest ball of yarn or builds a Cadillac grape or Cadillac, Cadillac hinge. Or, you know, that thing in Texas where it looks like Stonehenge, but they use Cadillacs, cars. Mm-hmm. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Um, that's outsider art. And those people, 
they really just like focusing on one thing and doing it for 20 years. And that, that that's fine with them. But don't mistake it for what it is. I mean, it's outsider art. It's just world building. It's not a substitute for having a good campaign. So what, you're, t- are- you're telling me the uh, you're telling me that the, the cars arranged like st- uh, car hinge. There's no subtext in that. Well, I mean, you can get I mean, that's getting into art theory. But the idea is <laughs> it's let's discuss art theory, Ross. <laughs> <laughs> um, car hinge. <laughs> What it is not is well. I mean, that's art, and that's not telling a story. But the thing is, uh, the guy who has five hundred pages of talking about his imaginary fantasy world, and he details every single god, and he details you know people like this. Everyone knows somebody like that who is like I read. I'm on fanfic.net. Yeah, exactly. I've, I've read it. Right, exactly. And, um, that's <laughs> you know, like I know a lot of people here. I might be a little controversial. Have you heard of MS Paint Adventures? Yes, I have. Um, Sometimes I look at that and I get lost in that. I mean, that's so abstract now. I try. I like MS Paint Detective, <clears throat> but like Homestuck, I just got lost. I think the guy is getting a little too obtuse and esoteric, you know, with all this crazy alternate dimensions, alternate universe stuff, alternate character versions of different characters. Death threat. That you're getting a death threat. I know, threat right? Now. I'm a monster. So you can Words get too in love with the internet. The thing is, you can get in too love with your own work. And you have to be ready to like drop it if it's not going to improve the quality of the game. Yeah. And that's what you learn. Or yeah. That's what you say. Well, actually, also, I've also learned that often your readers will get more obsessed with your work than you are. Right. I've seen a lot of that. Oh, yeah? Well, not with, not with my stuff. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, you know uh, Mia Dell, the girl I've mentioned, the woman I've mentioned several times. Right. Yeah. Some of her, some of her listener, some of her readers, yeah, they get a really possessive with some of her characters. Right. And that's, and, she finds that a little weird. Yeah. No, I mean, I can see, like, again, with the audience, fan interaction, yeah, that, that's one thing. But Well, like, I mean, well, she, you know, as, as I often tell her, like, yeah, sometimes they go a little misery on you. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that, that's sort of getting... Uh, that's off topic. We're, we're talking about, like, what the creator does. I mean, mm-hmm. the creator, the person who's building the world, you have to create what is important and necessary to make your campaign interesting. Uh, and then use that. I think well, a lot of people too. Also, when you come up with the idea for a world, like what I do is I come up with a concept first. You know, the idea is mm-hmm. like superhero game where yeah, everyone's. I I, 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 I I do the same thing. Okay, so you you come up with like a hook. Yeah, like, uh, okay, like using, well, using that planet that I over designed. Yeah. I just, what was the initial thing? I, my initial thing was planets like uh, planet run by corporations. Like corporations are the government of this planet. There's an elected body that acts as the government, but they're the ones that run it. So, right. I mean, I think, okay, a corporate world. So, you know, I, just, I went from there, essentially. You know, they, they want to keep it beautiful. Like, this is a corporate world, but not factories. Right. So, we want this... Home like, office. Yeah, so, yeah, we want the cities to be clean, you know, ste- you know, shiny construction, the landscape pure and untouched, because everyone wants to look out and see a beautiful forest right, or whatever right. from their high-rise office. So... I I, I kind of went from there. It's all right. It's going to have no pollution, you know. And then I just that's but working from that, I started breaking it down. Just right. by the original concept was a corporate world. All right. What do you think is too much or too little detail? Like uh, in terms, or like how much work do you do uh, for <coughs> before you're satisfied? Well, with that one, I think I reached that point. After. Well, you, 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 I mean, you mentioned that you did. Well, I, I mean, I know I, re- I realized pers- while making it, I realized I now have reached the point where I can now run this successfully as a game. Right. But this particular time, I was having so much fun doing it, I just didn't stop. Okay. No, I, I, I usually realize. I was kind of following the trap we're talking about, like yeah. getting in love with your own work. And so. Yeah, but I normal. I usually, it, it takes me, you know, if I'm, I'm just sitting down, no distractions, about an hour. 
mm-hmm. normally for me to get to. I think I got enough detail to run the game. Sometimes I go longer. Other yeah. times, there has actually been a few times I love the idea in the first 20 minutes, but by the time I'm approaching 45 minutes, like, this is a piece of shit. <laughs> I, will, like, I will fucking destroy this place. Actually, that happened one time. I, designed, I was designing a place. Yeah. And I suddenly realized that I now hate this idea. Like, I'll destroy it and use that as a setting. And that worked. Okay, reversing what you had, you know. What yeah. What was beautiful was now ugly. What was not on fire was on fire. Yes. So. But as for actually that planet thing, it ended up working out for me because all the detail I had, I just turned around and used later in different things. Yeah. I mean, you can always salvage or scavenge your material. <coughs> uh, and I, the reason I keep, keep harping on you not obsessing, because I just see it's very common for a lot of GMs to just create worlds and just fall in love with them. And, and then sometimes that's all they got. Right. That, yeah, again, you can't confuse world building with storytelling. I think you and I have both been in at least one game where the guy would give it, the GM would give us like a lecture, a history lecture on like, mm. in the beginning there was blah, yeah. blah, blah. And By the way, this I, happened. But before we go any further, I must say yeah. we are not talking about Adam Scott Glancy. I enjoy his lecture. I enjoy his. He's not world building. He's just he's that's he's a literal this, history yeah. lecture, and that's but, like. But I love it. Yeah, we do. This why yeah. we're we're both. The I, mean, I I know. Like some of you, I, I remember some people complained about the uh, the Zeppelin game. Yeah, I'm like, you should have seen us. We were sitting there with rapt attention. Well, we didn't record the Zeppelin game. I wish no, we but did. or you uh, boat you boat her house. Yeah, you boat her house. Yeah, yeah I, I was, another one. People said, man, he just really droned on about you boat. Like we were sitting there. To, like, yes, I, yeah, I was on. Learning, yeah, that's actual information that exists. Um, <laughs> but yeah, uh, you're right. We both have been in games where it's. I felt. I felt more like I was on a tour of where we were going rather than doing anything. Right. And the thing is, then they have this pre. I mean, it also sort of forces them into a corner. They they have this preconceived idea of this is what <laughs> the world is like. This is what the players will do in this, and this is what will happen. They get so rigid with this construction because they've put so much work into it that they don't uh, let other people interact yeah. with it. Or that le- well, with it, it leads into railroading. Right. We're like, okay, well, we're going to go to the mayor. Yeah, okay, the players are going to go to the mayor, get the mission, go and do that. The mayor's going to be an arrogant jerk, and that will be the first challenge. All right, and the player's like, I it's kill like, the mayor. We <laughs> it's a, it's like, or we like he's not going to give us what we want. We threaten him with guns. Yeah, we we set the man. We, we set the office on fire. Take hostages <laughs> and you know barricade the doors. What else? What did you think we're doing? We're paladins here. We were on a mission from God. Um, and uh, and that's just sometimes the their attempt to rebound from that really is kind of sad. Yeah, like suddenly I remember there's one game we did like it was a situation. I forget who it was. It was it wasn't a war. It was like a low level political leader on something. Right. And suddenly when we decided to get violent, suddenly he becomes like this, you know, an Uber assassin. Like, right. how do you think, but how do you think I got this political position? I, I am with the league of assassins. Like what? Yeah. Um, well, another thing is the idea that, you know, we've talked about, you know, the difficulty of using an established setting for a game, you know, like the Dresden files, for example, like half the RPPR group about has read the novels or at least some of them and about half of them ha- haven't. And so we can't really do Dresden file game would sort of have the problematic where like, you know, have you read the Dresden files? I have not. Yeah, neither. Right. <laughs> uh, nothing against them. We j- I just I'm reading right now Shadow of a Dead Star and McMafia, which I'll talk about later. Um so I've got a lot of shit on my reading list is what I'm trying to say. And so 
I'm not going to understand the significance of certain things that are happening. And like, if you're running dress for games and then blah, blah, blah walks in. I'm like, Oh, or like if you're doing Lord of the Rings game and you didn't know who Gandalf was, like Gandalf shows up and says, and, and, and suddenly half the group's like, Oh shit. And yeah. the other, okay, uh, sure. Yeah. Like I pull his beard. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, he's got a magic staff. Fuck, that's the first magic item I've seen. <laughs> like, yeah. we're gonna, I'm gonna wait till his back's turned to me, then I'm gonna stab him in the back, because, like, I want a fucking magic staff. You know, because that's mm. how some people would act in a Lord of the Rings game. Uh, what do you mean some people? <laughs> a lot of people. Dude, I'm the guy I'm the guy that whenever they would suggest, hey, do you want to, I mean, there's a Lord of the Rings RPG, you want to play it? Only if I can be an orc. Yeah. Like, I was like, no. Like, well, then I'm not interested. Yeah, exactly. Uh, but th- that's, um, if you're running, the thing is, this problem is exacerbated if it's literally a world that only exists in your own head. If, you know, Snargoth shows up and, like, you thought you've told the players, like, in the half-hour history lecture, like, the mayor tells you the history of this, uh, and then, like, ten minutes of like, Snargoth, the conqueror, was bound and put to sleep, but woe to us if he ever shows up, because, man, he'll wreck shit. Like, and players are like... You know, yeah, I'll, I'll give you a hint. If that's like ten minutes in into that to that discussion, your players have tuned it out by then. Yeah, players are really self centered as a rule. If it's in <clears> combat, <throat> if it's not their turn, they're like, oh, I don't care. Uh, if it's you know not their skill challenge or not their scene, they're gonna be like on their fucking smartphones or something like that. Uh, I'm not pointing at you know fingers or naming. It's names. the whole RPP R group, man. <laughs> Just admit that because it's true. Well, yeah, some people are better about it than others. So, but in general, they're not going to pay attention because people play games to have fun, not to take notes and yeah, yeah. They want they want to have fun. They don't want it to be a lecture from college, right? Um, Unless it's Scott Glancy telling you about U boats, then which in case you shut you shut the fuck up and listen. Yeah, exactly. Because that shit's great. Because and also you're in those games, you're going to need that information. (laughs) This is true. Uh, So you can't really have that kind of. The impact you think you're having, uh, because the players aren't going to be have the same uh, connection to this world that you've built up in your head. So, the world building is really fun, and uh, and there are really you know when you get to really create a unique experience, something that's really wondrous, and something the players haven't experienced before. You know, I think the new Arcadia campaign. Uh, has certainly, uh, I yeah. hope, has achieved that. Yeah, the new and, world did it too. Yeah, the new world because it was more political, and I had a lot of. Uh, things in it, and I'm well, also, and you know us too. You know what we like. Right. You're not so you. Well, I think, and also with our group, particularly, it's we don't really run into that problem. Of that, and then they're going to do this. No, you can pretty well predict us. Well, no, I, well, I, you've, I, you've gained with us. You've gained with us for so long, right? But the thing is, you don't. You don't design the game to focus on how you think we're going to do, right? But you leave it. You leave it completely open. I design it with. I don't care which choice they'll make. I'm covered regardless of what mm-hmm. they choose to do. Uh, because also some of your decisions I can't predict. A lot of them I can't predict because, uh, for one thing, I don't know exactly how you're going to arrive at a given area. Like well, if you rolled really poorly and you're you're really banged up, you might be more cautious than if you're you know you've been running combat and you've just been like I've got five critical successes in a row. Every enemy. No, dead. if I recall, I missed a lot in that game. <laughs> I'm just talking about in general. In general. Yeah, I've seen the post on the forums. I know. I've I seen know. it. I've seen uh, it. But um. But, but the thing is that you're you don't get flustered and have to do a GM fiat to re- reset things when we when we uh, throw you right. for a loop. Right. The sign of a good GM is you. That's I mean, it's a different topic entirely. But you you come back quickly. Right. 
Uh, and also, you don't take us on tours of the world. Yeah. So, yeah, exactly. That's the thing. You can't um, – the key to world building is only build stuff that you'll use, not extraneous information. Uh, I know you are talking about some game you were doing – talking about like he came up with new words for clouds. Yes, actually. Uh, this, was, this was in my – the dark days of post-high school. So, yeah, there was a guy he had – he was making – it was a uh, – kind of, it was kind of a fantasy but dimensional hopping world. Uh, okay, like oh, oh I forget what the game the kind of the sci-fi version of D and D is. Uh, Alternity or Spelljammer? Well, Spelljammer is a is D and D with ships that go between worlds. I think it was there's along the lines of that. Spelljammer. Okay. Yeah, this was a while. This was like a decade ago, but I remember this much. Well, a decade ago was still third. Yeah, head, but so we landed on this planet, and yeah. he had literally thought up different names for clouds. Like he had a different name for a cumulonimbus or a cirrus or a cumulus cloud. Okay. And as as you as you once said, I believe when I told you this, that which would have been fine if cloud magic or something was if clouds were important. Yeah, if the clouds were important. You know, if they were like cloud <laughs> elementals, and like you know, if it's a if it's you know a snargoth because I like using that word now. <laughs> you should. <laughs> uh, if it's a snargoth cloud, then you're fucked because it's poison. But if it's a a bargle argle bargle cloud, you know, a herpaderp cloud. Then you're, you know, it's like it's made of unicorn farts. And it's magical, and it will heal your wounds. So, yeah, Is this the same unicorn and gazelle on a cloud in space. I probably, yeah, I, I'd have to. Check. But no, it. And the thing is, it just all it all it did was, I mean, what sold it is the gene just had this look of, I thought of that. What do you think of that? And we're all like. We fly through them. Yeah. <laughs> They're still clouds, right? They're not. We can't get experience or anything from them. <laughs> like, Why? do the clouds have treasure? Yeah. Like, does the, does the Argle Bargle cloud, does it rain diamonds that we can collect? Is it made of solid air that we can walk on? And there's actually a dungeon in it, because that would actually be really cool. But no, and the, that, but the thing is, he, he you could tell he was so proud, he kept mentioning them. Like, as we're now going along to get to the actual dungeon, which is in the ground. Yeah. Actually, no, that's a really cool <laughs> idea. Like, imagine a dungeon that's made out of, that's carved out of a cloud, and it's big enough that you have to sail your ship through it, your flying ship through it. And so you're like, you're doing the whole dungeon in your magic ship in a fucking giant cloud. But see, that would have been a good idea, but th- he did not think of that. Yeah, he did not think of good ideas. So. But you did, Ross. I know. But, so uh, but and, and he, he just kept mentioning them, and the thing is, he actually got his fucking, the way clouds move wrong. Like he was throwing in the wrong types of clouds. He did, like he he like he knew clouds were called cumulus and cumulonimbus and cirrus, but he didn't know what those meant. He and was you using. Do. Uh, well, I remember a little bit from. Yeah. Uh, you know, you the, know enough from high enough to know that the cumulonimbus is the big storm cloud. Right. He was calling out these are the oh those are the high up wispy ones. Yeah. Like no, no they're not. And that made you angry. No, it just made me sad. And that well, that also ruined your immersion for the game, right? Well, yeah, we were too busy gig- giggling over it every time he did it, right? And apparently couldn't realize why we were giggling. Ah. So I mean, that's the but thing yeah, that, it, as it did, yeah, our, like we were now then joking and talking about other stuff, right? The thing about world building is, if you do it right, then you 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 create an immersive world. That Immerse players, me, yes, uh, are suspended in this place that's very interesting, very exciting. They love adventuring in it, and it's kind of wondrous. And they wonder, and if it's your own creation, it's totally new. They're like, oh man, I wonder what's around the next corner. It's, this could be great. Yeah, it's gonna be something badass and awesome. And they're just <coughs> that's when gaming is at its best when it's an original creation and I, you. you Cyberpunk game I once I was in, yeah. and the guy I mean he really knew the slang of the Cyberpunk 2020 world. Yeah, and he kept using it. Yeah, 
And the thing is, like, we all had the book, like, and we're flipping. We're, we're now realizing what he says. Like, so now we start trying to talk back to them yeah. in the same slang. It it, it, get, it, it got, got you in the mood for the yeah, game. Yeah, it got comical a little bit. Yeah. But after a while, we were now looking forward to just yeah. yelling at people in street slang of twenty Cyberpunk twenty twenty. Yeah, and that's the that's gaming at its <coughs> you know best. That's like the highlight of stuff. Now the problem and the thing is about you know we've been warning about all this. Oh, going to overboard with world building. The thing is, you can also do too little world building, especially like in D anD D or fantasy worlds. If you're doing a really fantastic or sci fi, oh you god, do something that's yeah. too. Well, if it's if you don't do enough work on it and it's too mundane, it's too pedestrian, it's gonna fucking suck. You know, if you're like, this is D and D, it's the generic D and D, and there's goblins and shit. Meh, yeah. Meh. Or uh, I had one where we were going to the the capital of the empire, and he literally just called it the imperial capital. It's like, <laughs> like and it's like you see the palace over there, and then the market, the market over there. Yeah. Like, what do you What do you do? Like. And actually, I remember our actual one. One of the players was like, "Well, then I guess we go to the market to buy things." He says, "All right, what do you want to buy? Like, yeah. Is there a magic shop?" <laughs> we start. We start doing all the bad, like the like NES Final Fantasy stuff. Like, yeah, well, yeah. where is the clinic? The white magic shop. Yeah, I get some soft down. Some yeah. yeah. Want to buy fire too? Can I buy? And fire that's when too? I suddenly realized. I mean, this was one I after we realized he did. Base it on the NES Final Fantasy. Ouch. We suddenly realized, oh my god. Yeah. He literally based this off of this video game. Yeah. And actually, he was doing quests. Like, I actually time- played a D&D game that was literally based <clears throat> on Final Fantasy. I played a Black Mage, and it lasted all of one session. Yeah, <clears throat> but it didn't. It was bad. But I mean, I don't. I don't know if you remember the NES Final Fantasy. Yes. But what, like when you have to fight, I like, one time, you have to fight nine pirates to get his pirate ship. Oh yeah. yeah. We fought nine pirates and got his <laughs> ship. And it's like, wow. you know, like you do know we we have uh, NESs too. Yeah. And at, and at one point, uh, one of the other, I wish I could have taken credit for this, but he actually said. Uh, so, how soon are we going to get to the quest where we restore the four orbs of elements? And he, uh, what? You <laughs> didn't get that far in the game. No, we didn't. Wow. He never tried to run a game again. Yeah. Um, I mean, that's the thing. You can make games that, are, that, that don't have enough world building in them. And uh, even games that in the real world, you have to do something unique to them. Uh, I mean, I think, you know, in the, your Divine Fire games, the first one, you did some world building by figuring out Grunvald's history, the Doctor's mm-hmm. history, and that kind of thing. And that kind of really helped to, you know, that the distinguishing between mm-hmm. the normal reality and... And the, also make, you know... Like, you know like, re- oh, also, shit, yeah. And remember, uh, also, 1944, so... Right. So it's historical, so you have to do research on it. You know, Scott Lancey is obviously the king of that. And, yeah. You know. Uh, I mean, I, I had to look up the names. I mean, I, and I, I had to look up German weapons from World War II. Right. So I, to, could, like, I, I, didn't, I couldn't say, like, you pick up his assault rifle. I said it's a Schmeisser submachine gun. Right. Um, and yeah, so that's, that's uh, the kind of thing you have to do. Yeah. So there's, you can do too much world building. You can also do not enough world building. So if you want to take up the challenge of it, you kind of have to find the right balance. And, of course, every group is going to be slightly different. Some are going to care more about the role playing, the NPCs. Others are going to care more about you know the logistics and the, the realism. You know, We're like, well, if we're in a realm where uh, raised dead spells and cure disease spells, why is there a plague going around? Why aren't the cleric? If there should be five clerics in a, a city with 5,000 people with cure disease, why they can cure you know eight people per hour, blah, 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 blah. Yeah. So you get that, especially in D&D world. The, the kind of, Eberron, I think, is a good D&D setting for something like, all right, if D&D magic was real, what would society, how would society use that magic? How would they change? Mm-hmm. And it's kind of a, a good example. Especially if you know exactly what happens after death. Yeah. 
Yeah, exactly. How does society change? Uh, so like, worshiping or, the gods isn't exactly a or, matter and, of faith. The, it's like uh, uh, more <laughs> like you know a protection racket, racket from the mafia. I'm going to pay into the you know Anubis. But what I like, it, but I like in that one that you also know the gods need you as well. Right. It's a protection racket. They need you, and you need them. Uh, Which you also, don't want to go into hell. You but then, I, but then I would wonder why would anyone become lawful evil if you knew what hell was like. Well, that's a good point. Uh, I, well, I, I mean, I, I actually heard some more, of them. They actually become like the devils that torment other people. Yeah, but you know, most of them. I, I, I there is a in the if book actually uh, the the book the nine hells the actual book they did for D and D three point five. Yeah, yeah, they actually mention like why would anyone do this? They yeah. say because well, you know, and even if they know that they're going to they could become a devil, they figure they're they'll just rocket to pit fiend status right in no time flat. They say very few of them re- will look at a quivering lemur. Which right. is like the lowest form of devil, and think that's going to be them. Yeah, um, and yeah, that's the kind of thing. Like especially here, it's not everyone thinks they're going to be winning the lotto anytime. So it's, it's mm. just a matter of time. Yeah. We're all we're, there's no middle class here. <laughs> there's just embarrassed millionaires that just haven't quite made their riches yet. That's, yeah, um, and also, and uh, by the way, just fun fact: I, I, so there was a villain I know that it was a guy that we fought in a D and D game that I really loved. I just have to mention this. Yeah, it's it was a warlord that made a deal with Asmodeus. And of course, but you know, but he when Dilly made this, yeah. like he would give Asmodeus twenty thousand souls if the moment he got to hell, he kept his own mind and personality and soul, but instantly became a pit fiend with no chance of demotion. And what he did, he just he had all of his men essentially make a make a pledge, which they didn't know was a pledge to Asmodeus, and led them into battle and got them all killed. <laughs> see, I can see that. Like, so, and then he comes back, and now he is a pit fiend, and according, and he had a signed contract with, with yeah. Asmodeus, so no matter what he does, he can never be demoted past pit, you know, out of pit fiend. Wow. That's... I mean, I like, that is a good villain. That's what Bernie Madoff would do in D&D. Yeah. He wouldn't be fucking around <laughs> with money. He'd be like, I want to be a pit fiend. Fuck you. <laughs> Which I... I I love it. A general, and he leads all of his men to their to, to their death. God, was that is that a canon D and D, or is that just something? That's in... something. This something this GM I was talking to did. Oh, okay, I'm like, oh my god, that is an awesome idea. Yeah, no, I could see that. Like people, you know, stockbrokers and Ponzi scheme people, they would be worshiping. <laughs> be like, make me a pit <laughs> fiend. I made I made a short call. Yeah, uh... and you know, I'd, the thing is, he could use this guy. And you know, he, and he, like, we use them like they they were like summoning devil demons to devils to help them do shit. So they sum, like this guy that was against the general summons him. Yeah, doesn't realize that he's still the general. Just now he's a devil. Yeah, and so he starts advising this you know, this guy. <laughs> nice. And it's not only I'm going to damn you, but I'm also getting some petty revenge against you. Fuck you. Nice. I loved it. I love that so much. That that's a great idea. That's <clears throat> some great world building there. So. Uh, so the, whenever you're creating a world, you need to do these <laughs> things. So, uh, any final, oh, there is one thing you wanted to mention, uh, random name generators. So- yeah, I have actually found, uh, well, sp- well, we do the same thing in our group. Uh, we, some players want names often. They don't, because, yeah, oh, yeah. because I mean, it, you don't need them all the time, but if you do too much of the shopkeeper and the innkeeper, the guy, this guy on the street, if you just do that all the time, people are, like, are eventually going to want to talk to someone and, if you actually take the time well, to talk to them, like Quintus the pirate is born. I mean, this is like, yeah, so, uh, the fisherman. I'm sorry, but if the players, I think they figure if they're going to take the time to interact with this with this NPC, they want a name. Yeah, and I have found that, and unless you're like you know, you're in America, you know, 20th century or just you know, even recent, America, even America, America is a country of immigrants, Tom. But you can quickly go, uh, 
uh, I'm Jones, Chad Jones. Right. In but, White Bread Springfield. But, yeah. You know. But if you're like in a fantasy game and you're talking to a, you know, a cobalt who's trying to sell you something. Yeah. You got to, you're not, uh, Chad Jones might be funny, but it probably <laughs> won't work too well. Keith the Cobalt. Well, that was, that was Keith the Cobalt. Yeah. He's cool. Anyway. Uh, but so, yeah, just keep, have one of those handy, whether yeah. on your. Or come up with a list of names that you can have and assign to NPCs as. Necessary. Or if you're really good on the spot, just you know, you know, picture, just like conjure up a normal, normal American name and just add some letters to change it. There around. are also random name generators for all kinds of things online. Uh, uh, actually, like, I, everything from Lovecraft, Cthulhu <laughs> names, Cthulhu-esque names, uh, to different nationalities, different historical mm. periods. Well, actually, uh, uh, I'd use one of those. D and D actually has a name generator for specific species, races. Like and I I'd, yeah. I'd use an illithid one for a game I was doing. Oh yeah, yeah no you you kind of have to uh, with those alien kind of names. So yeah, um, that's that's a useful thing. Uh, <laughs> then again, a mind flayer named Chad Jones would be remembered. Yeah no I'd I want to hang out with him. He sounds cool. <laughs> I'd have a beer with him. <laughs> uh, so um, this gives you a little idea on world building. If you have any questions or comments about how to construct your own world, feel free to go on our website, Twitter me, post on the Facebook group. Well, seriously, uh, we'll make you famous. Forums. Uh, there's, we, there's a steam group. Message me over steam. Like some people do. So <laughs> I don't care. I'll your message will be heard. I'll, yeah. I'll, I'll talk to you guys. Uh, truly man of the people. I'm the man of the fans. On this night, not a fuck, single fuck was given. Exactly. Except for the fans. I give all the fucks to the Yeah, fans. all the fucks go to you. Yeah, because you guys are awesome and stuff. You guys are our PPR. <laughs> all man. right. Uh, don't forget the Kickstarter, Kill Explosion. So, uh, Speaking of which. Next up, yes, Tom is going to be reading his, uh, is writing short fiction for Kill Explosion. And uh, one <clears> of these <throat> stories he's already written. And it's about a man in a chicken suit with a vendetta or something. Well, like. I, I would more call it the origin story of a man in a chicken suit. All right. So uh, and <coughs> after that, we'll have shout outs in which I'll explain why we are doing the chicken suit thing. And then, of course, anecdote. So, so uh, stay tuned. Uh, yeah, stay tuned. Select title of the selection is Clucking Hell from Killsplosion. Thank you. Devereaux had always considered shopping malls the cathedrals to disposable materialism. Hidden inside the massive monuments to commerce, a drooling consumer could find anything he wanted, from an inflatable barbecue set to a fucking blanket with sleeves. And mini malls were the larval form of true shopping malls, a commercial grub that never pupated. But the one Devereaux found himself sprinting for seemed like nothing more than a safe haven. It was well after midnight, and the shopping center was closed. That was for the best. Less chance of a goddamn civilian getting in the way. 
He knew that Dominic's men were barely 20 yards behind him. He clutched the heavy black duffel bag closely, treating it like a lifeline, which, in every way, it was. He had been lucky to see them coming in the first place. He was securing a bag of cash into the trunk of his Honda Civic when they had come out of nowhere. A dozen armed thugs, their coming marked by intermittent gunfire and angry words shouted in check. Devereaux had only a few seconds to reach into his trunk for a weapon before he had to leap over his car to avoid the bullets. He had wanted to grab the bag that contained his twin forty-five automatic pistols, but he hadn't had the time to pick or choose. As luck would have it, the bag he grabbed had his squad automatic weapon. An effective weapon, to say the least, but it was disassembled, and the gunmen weren't giving him the courtesy of time to put the weapon together. Devro reached the back door to one of those shops, not even bothering to stop. He threw his shoulder into it, and the dead-bolted door cracked open. He felt an agonizing pain shoot through his shoulder, a sure sign that damage had been done. With the ocean of adrenaline flying through him, he barely noticed. He stumbled inside the door, and in one fluid motion, whirled around to slam the door closed. He realized fate had finally stopped pissing on him when he found a full janitor's cart in the store's back room to brace the door with. It wasn't much, but it would at least make the door look like it was still closed. Devro knew he had a few moments while the gunman started searching the stores. He ran into the store itself and was surprised to find himself in a costume shop, post-Halloween sales banners all over the place. From the, from the mask racks above the counter, werewolves, zombies, skeletons, and even one of those blue things from that movie the last year stared down at him. His gaze only lingered for a split second. He had much to do and little time to do it. He unzipped the bag and roughly emptied the contents onto the carpeted floor. The saw components spilled out as well as a Kevlar tactical vest and two 100-round box magazines of 5.56mm bullets. Devereaux had assembled this weapon so many times he could do it by muscle and nerve memory alone. The weapon was in one piece in less than 30 seconds. He attached one of the box magazines to the weapon, threaded the bullets through the chamber, and locked them in place. The saw was ready for fun. As soon as the immediate problem of getting armed was over, Devereaux allowed himself to finally consider other problems. He was inside, and he probably remained anonymous to any civilians, but that couldn't be guaranteed now. He knew that there was a bank across the street, which meant ATM cameras. The mini-mall probably had some cameras he hadn't seen earlier. While he had to survive, he couldn't allow himself to be recorded doing the deed he had to do. If his face was caught on camera, he would be disavowed, which meant a bullet to the head by his own fucking agency. He was putting on his Kevlar vest, thinking about possible solutions, when something caught his eye. A dopey chicken mask, part of a full costume, stared at him from its perch atop the mask rack. He knew that he had only seconds, but an idea hit him. He put the vest aside for the moment, and a rare grin lit up his normally somber face. About a minute later, the gunmen were in the process of checking the stores one by one. They knew that, they had to be, that he had to be inside one of them, and they were searching all of them, trying to find the one door that was loose. They had so far checked a party supply store, a Chinese restaurant, a beauty salon, and an ice cream store. All they had left was a sports memorabilia store, a shoe store, a costume shop, and a nail salon. Two gunmen searched the doors, while eight more covered the mall itself. Two more had been sent into the front, in the case their mark tried to escape that way. The two-man search team was about to test the door to the sports memorabilia store when the back door to the costume shop swung open. Then the damnedest sight any of them had ever seen came strolling out. It was a guy in a yellow chicken costume, with a Kevlar vest strapped onto it and a large automatic weapon cradled in his arms. The ten hardened mercenaries could only stare in quiet silence at the goofy chicken man that had suddenly stepped into the pale yellow street light of the mini-mall's back drive. Devro instantly knew that wearing the costume out was a good idea. Not only would it keep him his face hidden from any cameras, but it also distracted the gunmen. They were gawking at him rather than shooting. That one second of stillness was all he needed. He raised the saw up and sent a 5.56mm blend of herbs and spices right into the largest group of mercs. 
They had dressed for speed, so none of them wore vests. The bullets chewed them to pieces, the sound of shell casings hitting the pavement, all but drowned out by the roar of the gun. Some of them tried to get a beat on the chicken man, but they still had to aim. Devereux just turned the gun on them, holding down the trigger the whole time. Only now, firing a storm of bullets into a mass of scumbags while wearing a dopey chicken costume, did he realize he truly loved his job. So uh, that was uh, pretty badass, dumb. I Thank have you. To say, Devro uh, with a saw. Uh, <laughs> that was uh, awesome. So uh, yeah. let me first do shout outs. Uh, <laughs> the first one I want to do is the one that will help explain why he's in a chicken suit. Um, now, I know I've mentioned this game several times on the show. Uh, Ross Killing is Floor. a fan. Ross is a I fan. I really fucking love Killing Floor. Uh, shoot all the zombies. Um, you know, the British made FPS co op, six players or more. Uh, depending if you're playing a, a modded server or not. Anyways, they're doing a Halloween event <coughs> from October 27th to November 3rd. So, you know, it's going to be over by the time this episode's up. Yeah. Uh, but in this um, event, they they put six new achievements on there. And if you got all six achievements, you unlocked a new skin for your character. Uh, and that skin was a guy in a chicken suit with a tactical vest and a leg holster and they even have a little story for him. Is that Special Inspector Edmund Cook went to the Halloween costume of his police station in a chicken costume. <laughs> and then the monsters came and killed everyone else. So he picked up his gun and murdered them. He's never taken it off since. And for me, like, I will never pick any other skin if I ever help it. Like, that is the perfect skin to kill monsters and killing for. Because that shows you're unafraid of anything. Like, I'm willing <laughs> You to- don't truly don't give a fuck. There. I don't give a fuck about anything. I am a man in a chicken suit with a chainsaw. Killing monsters, uh, experimental genetic cluck, cluck motherfucker. Yeah, exactly. It's incredible. It's so badass because I've always <laughs> like oscillated between different costumes. There's like twenty or thirty different skins for your character, but this one is just perfect, and I will wear it forever. <clears throat> Uh, so yeah. thank I, you, Tripwire Interact, for doing this. And uh, Killing Floor is a great game. By it. Yeah. Blah, blah blah. I thought I should. Make give like he should have a backstory why he's wearing that. Yeah, exactly. A new one. Yeah, for Kill Explosion because there'll be a now Devro will be a Kill Explosion iconic character. He will be in the <laughs> art. I will have Ian Moody and Valakirk draw him, and it will be badass. 
Uh, awesome. So, because uh, yeah, that shit is great, and we'll post this that the text of that story on the Kickstarter as an update, so you guys can take a look at that, see how yeah. badass. I got about six, I got six or seven more of those coming. Yeah. So uh, yeah, Tom Church is contributing to this. God, how can you not contribute to this Kickstarter? You horrible monster! You're going to make Tom cry. A tear just you couldn't see it. It happened so fast. <laughs> I know. A tear just well, went down my a, face. It's a pocket. They're not going to be able to see anything unless we get the camera. Then you can see me cry. Uh-huh. I look like I look like that, we'll, I look like we'll I look, have Tom chopping onions, and that will be like a ten minute video of Tom Church chopping onions, and they're all be like, "Ross, you son of a bitch!" <laughs> that will be great. So, uh, yeah, you had some shout outs, or you wanted? To- yeah, uh, most of my, all of mine actually. I'm sorry, or I'm sorry to say, but actually, fuck it, I'm not. I'm happy to say, are '80s horror movies I've recently picked up. No, they aren't. Yes, they are. No, they aren't. Yeah, they are. We discussed this, Tom, before the episode. Fine. Three of them are 80s movies. <laughs> One of them is a 90s movie. Thank are you. Are you fucking happy? Yes. Well, the f- okay. The first one Accuracy is an 80s. is important. God, shut up. <laughs> the first one is a movie called Extro. Now, I love, I love a good monster flick. A- anyone who knows me will tell you that. That's shocking. Yeah. And this one was really good on that, but everything else was so nonsensical and... I mean, it's essentially a dad gets kidnapped by aliens and comes back as one. Yeah. And of course, there's a there, there's the intermediate scene. Of course, he comes back as this tiny, smaller monster, which then impregnates a woman, and he emerges fully grown from her. Wow, that is that's not normal. That's no, really it's not. Fucked up. And yeah. then he goes to get his son because he and he's back so he can get, take his son with him and make him into an alien. And suddenly, the kid gets the powers to bring his toys to life. And I don't just mean, it's not like the movie Demonic Toys or anything like that, or like Puppet Master. Like, he has this little toy soldier, which he, which they, he then makes come to life, and they do this by then having a midget literally dressed as the toy, and he starts impregnating women like his babysitter, so she starts laying alien eggs. This is like a really, it's like a porn fetish story written on the internet, and then it was made into a movie before. That like, has to be it. I mean, it's like a forced pregnancy. <clears throat> I'm sure there is something like that. Just like, ah, yes, that's what happens. Aliens impregnate all the women. And, like, and they're done by toys. Yeah. Wow, that's really fucked yeah. up. That's the first one. Uh, the second one is a movie yeah. I know you've, you've seen called The Stuff. Yeah. It's literally about a killer dessert. Right. Now, what fascinates me is... They're not even making this the the stuff. They're just taking it out from the ground. And I mean, the opening scene shows a guy walk just kind of walking down this industrial road and sees this white stuff bubbling up from the ground. Like, and his first reaction is to kneel down and, and taste it. He's like, "Wow, this is pretty good. We should sell this." Yeah. And well, the that stuff can't be a shogger or anything, you know? Like, no. Up. And it's got some. Well, it's got some really great moments of it, you know, violently coming out of people. Right. And, um, and, of course, the crazy military guys. That's oh, always yeah. fun. Uh, there's also an iRiff tracks of it. I don't know <coughs> of its quality, but uh, we, we might be able to link to it. So, yeah. Yeah. The last 80s one is a movie called Black Rose. Yeah. And uh, it's... I, I, what I love this because it's it's obviously was shot as praying to the fears of Christian... Fam- you know, really cr- Christian people fearing heavy metal music. Right. Because it's literally about a heavy metal band that comes to this town... And their music starts turning kids into demons. Right. And that's it. <laughs> and what, I, what I love is, you know, the first, when the band first comes out, when the parents are there to see what it's all about, they're all dressed in these, like, 80s, you know, white suits. Right. Kind of, you know, being a little more like Neil Diamond than a heavy metal group. But 
And that scene then when all the parents are like, well, like this isn't that bad, I guess. All the parents then decide everything's okay and then they leave. Right. And as the moment that happens, suddenly it's bondage gear and heavy metal. And suddenly all the women become nymphomaniacs. The guys just become just become sex starved maniacs. And then, oh, then they eventually. And then, and then, well, they unleash what was in Uh, there. Okay, there we go. Subtext. Yes. And then, and then they all, the kids literally start becoming actual demons. Wow. And the only one that can stop it is the, is one of their teachers. Of course. And of course, there's I mean, there's a great scene where he's like t- trying to teach philosophy, and all, and suddenly all the kids are now wearing you know goth clothing and piercings. They're like says so like black rose. They're like like, you know, like their philosophy is the only philosophy we need to know. Like, wow, you yeah. are like really subtle, uh, playing off of the fears of subtext. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, the fo- the, my final, I'll go ahead and do the final one. Yeah. Is, uh, it's, this is the 90s movie, but I mentioned it because it still looks like an 80s horror movie. Carnosaur. Yeah. Literally about a bioplague that makes women give birth to dinosaurs that kills them. Well, you're on kind of a kick now, aren't you? Yeah, I am. I, I, have, a, I have a problem. I have a very serious problem. Yeah, with the pregnancy movies. Monster. Party. I like body horror. What can I say? Yeah, that's one way. Well, this it. one, what I what I love is, I mean, first it's just. I think this is a Carm, uh, <coughs> Roger Corman movie too. I think well, all I, I mean, it, I mean, some of my, the some of the best scenes is still like these these hippies have chained themselves to this to these right. this equipment, and then a dinosaur comes up to one of them. He's like, "Greetings, green brother," and then he that tears them apart. Sounds like Corman. Yeah, uh, but the other thing is, is the conversations when the government realizes this woman, this evil scientist woman, created this plague to wipe out the entire female population of the world, and the government they don't you know they don't go in there to consider like well we need like we need to quarantine this whole area. It's like it says, wait, why are they making this plague? The woman, this mad scientist woman, is why is she doing that? She wants to destroy humanity. Okay, and the government's funding her. Yeah, they didn't know she was doing doing that kind of bioweapons. It was supposed to be just good oh. old fashioned kill people, oh. not create dinosaurs. And then the dinosaurs would then kill off the the male humans. I see. But these when the government people find this out, they they don't think okay, like or a cure or you know yeah or wipe it out. It's this you know if all the the entire female population of the world is wiped out, we could redesign a better female. One, you know, it's like wow. one, like actually, like one subservient to us. Wow, this is like horror movie directors have issues with women. Uh, I, th- I know this think... is shocking, but like, yeah, like wow. And uh, I and did look it, up the Wikipedia, and it was made in 1993, same year as Jurassic Park. So it was obviously, you know, trying to you yeah. Know, and like, and, and like, and that. like Jurassic Park, it spawned it spawned sequels. Yeah, spawned. that had nothing. That had nothing yeah, to. That's that, a good word there, Tom. That had yeah. nothing to do with the original movie, of course. Oh, God. So, Actually, uh, but no, I, I also have to, I think you would like the sequel. Yeah. Because the final battle is with a t- huge T Rex, uh-huh. and they're fighting it with heavy machinery bulldozers and oh, construction yeah. vehicles. Uh, that's an in joke. I know it probably mentioned before <coughs> in the podcast, but the idea is you know, the one skill in Call, Call Cthulhu. Cthulhu that I've always been wondering is operate heavy machinery like that. It's like the redheaded subchild of skills in Call of Cthulhu, like even accounting and. Uh, you know, photography law. get more, yeah, law get more <laughs> use than that. Like, I'm gonna, I actually now finally figure out a scenario that is gonna like make that the heroic skill of choice, uh, and <clears throat> operate heavy machinery using that to fight evil, fight the Cthulhu mythos, bulldozers and cranes, and uh, I'll just spoil it now. It's gonna take place in a slaughterhouse. You ever been so, in one of those places? Yeah. So there's, 
There's some scary ass shit there. Yeah, there's a lot of industrial heavy machinery. So uh, yeah, this is gonna be fun. Um, but yeah, I, I'll, the, my shout outs the next the, the next episode will probably be along similar lines. <laughs> okay, uh, you know, one probably the shout out for the next episode is gonna be Red uh, Red State or the the new Kevin Smith movie, the horror movie. Oh my god, yes, I haven't seen that yet, but I want to because uh, I, I actually talked to a friend of mine who said it was very very good. It had some really good acting performances in it. So hopefully we'll uh, I'll be able to review that for the next episode, which we'll probably do before the 21st because that's when the Kickstarter ends. You only have 19 days left. 18 days probably by the time this episode well, posted. So po- then contribute again, to the Kickstarter. Oh my like, god, you guys. Like, ah. This is not a shout out, but yeah, we better do that then so I have some time to get Skyrim out of my system. Okay. Which is coming in nine days. Oh, yeah, the new Elder uh, Scrolls. Game, yeah, uh, so. I will be uh, sequestered <laughs> for some time. Okay. Fair enough. Uh, you're not the only one. So uh, I'll just go in instead of alternating. I'll do my shout outs. Uh, first off is going to be Danger 5. It's a new web series that's coming up. This is actually the same people who did Italian Spider-Man. Ross uh, made me excited and sad at the same time with this. Uh, I'm not going to spoil anything. Well, I'll spoil <laughs> one thing. There are dinosaur Nazi people in it. And machine guns and Hitler and I, weapons. I can't possibly... And lots of smoking. Yeah, I can't possibly describe to you... <laughs> What I felt when I watched that. Yeah. It it was like being inside joy. <laughs> like I could wrap myself in it like a blanket. Uh, so that's going to be starting up in the next... I'm looking forward to seeing mm-hmm. the actual web series. That's from Star Trek uh, Generations, got- by the way. Okay. Fair enough. So You didn't know that, did you? No, I didn't. I don't... I know um, movies. I You do know movies. You know <laughs> movies very well. Uh, I'm, if I get you and that in a room, you could... Have an entire conversation based on Ghostbusters quotes without actually seeing you know, that the could original be a, world. You know, that, you know, word. Ross, so. that could actually be a future Kickstarter reward. Yeah, have, like we, we will actually have a 30-minute conversation in nothing but movie quotes. Oh, God. Uh, if we have to get the camera, we can do it. So, RPPR listeners, eh, yeah, come on. Uh, you can control RPPR for a week. Have I mentioned that? Like, You can actually <laughs> tell us what to play. We will give up our free will to you. Yes, $200, and you can make us play anything except Fatal. Uh, you can make us play Cinnabar or Phoenix Command or uh, Teenagers from Outer Space. We've mentioned this a lot. I'm just, gonna, but I, you know, I'm a shameless whore. Uh, <laughs> so a uh, c- couple more, three more. One is another video called uh, Meta Chaos, uh, which is just a really abstract, really freaky eight minutes of insanity. And the reason I mention it is because I based a Call of Cthulhu adventure on that you video. Did? And after Tom saw that, you would see, yeah, that was pretty creepy. Yeah. That's yeah. uh people uh, going into uh, going into uh, weird places to do things. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. It's and I mean, it's not quite as good as going into a public pool at night. Yeah, that fantasy again. Great song. Great great great, great song. Yeah. Uh, uh like there was a video, wasn't there? Yeah, there was. Your, I, I think I your eyeballs exploded and turned into fire, so yeah. I saw something. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next up, uh, No More Room in Hell, which is a Half-Life 2 first-person shooter modifier, uh, 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 mod. Uh, I haven't gotten the... I haven't Thank downloaded you, George it yet. Romero. The, the beta was just released a few days ago. I haven't gotten it yet because uh, I've been playing Payday the Heist, which I haven't played enough to really review one way or the other. Um, but No Room... The reason I mention this is, one, obviously zombies... Uh, it's made for it by, by the same people who did uh, Zombie Panic Source, mm-hmm. which I put a good number of hours in. Uh, but this one's a lot better. Now, the reason even you would like it, you know, not just because they're zombies and it's a co-op thing. Um, one of the character models looks like is a dead ringer for uh, Walter from the Be- Big Lebowski, a.k.a. Adam Scott Glancy. 
So you can play, and the, the trailer, which I'll link to, son of a fucking bitch, is Adam Scott Glancy getting bitten, shooting zombies, and then being bitten by a zombie. And I'm like, I'm sold. I want to be, you know. Have you have you told him about this? I I posted it on his Facebook page. He's like, son of a bitch. You know, he, uh, uh, it was pretty great. So it's a free mod. Like yeah. Adam Glancy Scott Glancy is cool, but Adam Scott Glancy as a zombie. God or damn. shooting zombies. Or, or shooting be, zombies. Being Scott Glancy shooting zombies. What and you know <laughs> it's like Valhalla, the modern day Valhalla. So uh, it's like it's like let me tell you about U boats. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh finally you know, he actually did upload some actual plays uh for RPPR and I'm talking to him right now to figure out how he wants them edited because one recording is like seven hours long, but there's like gaps in it, so he's gonna give me some time codes. Uh, based on your Divine Fire materials. Oh, so, yeah, he mentioned this to me. Yeah, so uh, as soon as I get the notes from him, uh, we'll be able to put that on the podcast, and won't that be great? I, uh, I want to hear this. Yeah, I know, right? Uh, finally, I mentioned this before <laughs> in the episode uh, years ago, uh, but uh, a book that I started but I haven't like picked up and started, now I'm about halfway through, I'm going to finish it. It's called Mafia. It's about global crime syndicates today. And it's a fascinating book because it talks about the rise of how the fall of communism actually made the Russian Mafia what it is. Before, the like, you know, actually, believe it or not, the Russian Mafia wasn't as scary as it was. Like, back when the KGB was really around and in power in the Soviet Union, guess what? The KGB was a lot more powerful than the Russian mob or the Russian criminal. And like, they didn't like anyone hoeing in on their territory. Exactly. So they kept the mobsters in check. But when capitalism came around and the Soviet Union fell, uh, the Soviet bureaucrats didn't know how to manage <laughs> capitalism or how well, to manage capitalist... Uh, John Stewart business. said it best in the in the uh, in America the Book, the audio book. Yeah. So, you know, Says you know, like with the fall, like with the fall of communism, like the, the Soviet Union, the, like Russians raced to embrace Western-style capitalism. But much like Lenny and in, in, in of mice and men, they these retarded man children didn't know their own strength. Right, uh, and a lot, and that of course led to you know massive corruption and crime syndicates. Uh, and what's interesting is that because the state was so weak in those early days, people actually turned to these you know growing mafias these growing crime syndicates to actually manage contract law for them to keep things in check so they were actually like mm-hmm. private law enforcement uh for these business people starting up uh and then now i'm about halfway through talking about indian gangsters and it's really interesting uh, you could do a whole campaign on this idea of uh they have uh, in india police groups that are called encounter specialists <clears throat> and what they do it's it, which it sounds kind of weird but what it translate that is police death squad what they do is they go around cities like mumbai and basically find criminals and fucking shoot them in the head like however possible like there's there's one <laughs> photo of a guy's like this is a uh, inspector so-and-so he has over a hundred kills you know he's like they just go around fucking straight up murdering criminals and if that isn't like a tactical combat rpg premise like you're a police squad go out and uh yeah, it's Judge Dredd, but for real, you know. I mean, they, they just go out and shoot people. Uh, but, you know, the, the gang... I am the law! Yeah, exactly. Uh, so, it's just interesting and fascinating to me, see, all, all the interconnections between governments, spy agencies, like the whole Mumbai-Indian underworld is sort of a, a battle between Indian and Pakistani intelligence agencies. Mm-hmm. There's like a proxy war. I mean, it's really fascinating stuff. I mean, I've actually kind of heard that, yeah, in, in like some places, you know... It's kind of like Vegas in the '60s and '70s. That yeah. it's like, you know, you'll never have mob violence there, yeah, because they that must stay a tourist trap with for all the money to come in, right? So, uh, well, actually, it's Dubai that's like well, that. Dubai is yeah, what I meant. Dubai yeah. is like that, and I mentioned I use this also in Call of Cthulhu game. Dubai, sorry, is become like all these gangsters from around the world have 
made their billions in or millions or billions and put it in Dubai so they can have a place to relax. And there have been a few murders, but not many. Uh, there's very little. They don't like it. Yeah, exactly. But they go out and there's, you know, Mumbai, hundreds of murders, you know, between police and gangsters and gangsters and gangsters, whatever. But yeah, and Russia, of course, you know, if you aren't dying of alcoholism, it's dying a violent death or, or something. So uh, it's it's a fascinating stuff. So if you want to do a modern crime campaign or a post-apocalyptic campaign or any number of things, it's got a lot of material in it. So the the yeah. beginning, there's a lot of material at the beginning about Russian games where it gets a little dry, like uh, talking about Gazprom and like uh, Indi- you know all the various complex financial schemes they use. But like, eh, so what? You skip around and get to the the Indian, the Mumbai stuff, and like, oh, or Bombay, you know, back as known back then. And uh, I could talk all night about this, but uh, that's that's the last shadow I have. So fantastic, uh, Mafia, uh, great stuff. Uh, so finally, uh, we have our anecdote. So Tom, um, we uh, this is the game that you ran. You uh, recently ran uh, Eclipse Phase. I did. Yeah, it, I was originally planned as a one shot, turned into a two parter. Tends to happen, but whatever. Yeah. And it was uh, I, I had it took place on Atlantica, which is from uh, the Panopticon book. Which is essentially an ocean inside a hollowed-out asteroid, right? Primarily populated by uh, like aquatic uplifts and uh, modified, mod- like modified uh, splicers, right? But I, I like the idea of a, it's essentially a heist in in, in a uh, compl- in, a, in an underwater setting, and it had Ross, uh, J- Ross, Jason, and Aaron, and uh, I believe Fad joined in for the second half. Yeah, and uh, it's. Well, David, yeah, David played in. The, yeah, David uh, it was David. Had, David and Thad joined in for the second yeah. session um, as the heavies. Mm-hmm. Uh, they both played, like uh, Thad played in the second session, uh, a Reaper Morph with a uh, Cyrock AI, so he's a very polite <laughs> murder death machine, and then yes. David as a guy. Well, uh, the other pregen I did. Yeah, the other pregen, yeah. So, um, yeah. Uh, so I was playing. I was playing the stealth guy, the uh, solid snake, literally, since I was in the Slitheroid morph. Yeah, and um, it went well. I, I had a lot of fun in it. I, I mean, mean I, I discovered some of the main stuff. Just the main problem is gets getting used to the tech in the game. Yeah, yeah, because forking, cortical stacks, mesh, uh, hacking rules. It's, it's pretty complex, um, and just there's so many different types of tech, like. You know, keep uh, like nano disassemblers versus particle beam cannons and shit like that. What do you use? Uh, how uh, ubiquitous is surveillance tech and shit like that? Yeah, there's a lot to keep track of. If you, but it was my first attempt. I think everyone said it went well. So yeah, uh, in the second session, it was started going a little like we were going like pretty crazy. Uh, it, well, yeah, I, I saw we that storm happen. the main building to or sneak into the main building to get uh, the MacGuffin out. Uh, Aaron. Held a doctor hostage. Uh, killed a patient. Yeah, killed like the doctor was performing heart surgery, uh, and then Aaron shot the patient and then dug the doctor. And then the guards came in, took him out, or took him down. And then we went to rescue Aaron. They shot Aaron in the head, uh, so he had to retrieve his cortical stack. And of course, we killed all <clears> the guards. And then uh, as we jumped on the little rail or train to get us away, there's like one generic NPC who was just randomly there. That we rest, no, that we kidnapped. it was a technician and one of the science staff. Yeah, yeah, one of them didn't make it, and one of them we kidnapped with us, and it's kind of turned into a little bit Gaga esque. As like he, we we went back to the criminal underworld. He's just this poor guy, like oh god, I'm terrified, and then he passes out. I forgot exactly why he passed out, but he passed out, and I'm like, let's give him drugs. <laughs> like I'm because my character is a scum, is uh, the do whatever. I don't give a fuck. 
uh, faction. So he's like, this will be funny. You know, <laughs> let's give him drugs. And uh, the drug I looked up was schizo, which mimics, essentially mimics schizophrenia, paranoid schizophrenia, and then murder and then comfort. So he's just, you know, zoned out on uh, in, uh, combat and combat enhancing. Uh, but it was yeah. because of that that I now have my next game project. Right. I am, in fact, I'm going to announce it here. I'm going to run a La- Lady Gaga four, like four point X or whatever, in yeah. Eclipse phase. And so you will have the return of Lady Gaga, Major, major Laser. I will make my own Major Laser. You will probably be wearing a chicken suit, armor that looks like a chicken suit. Well, of course it will. Yes, and I will put a lot of points into dancing. You better. And beam weapons, because he uses a laser. The next time I run a game for this group, that's what it's going to be. It's going to be fucking epic. Uh, Now, of course, I I won't do this if you, the listeners, don't want me to. (laughs) Yeah, so post comments about... But now, if you would like me to run a Lady Gaga game in Eclipse phase, well, then, you know, go ahead and send me your messages, any input you might have, and... Post it on our forums. Post it on our forums, and I will... If I go... if enough people want me to do this, I'll do it. Yeah, yeah, but it, but yeah, obviously, yeah. I, I don't know how, I don't know how f- popular this idea is going to be. We'll find out. Uh, yeah, you know, the same madness, just with much higher technology, and everything's wireless. Yep. So, including your soul. Yeah, <laughs> something like that. So uh, that'll be something to look forward to uh, in 2013, because I'm such a horrible monster. I'm supposing. <coughs> so uh, I think that ends. Uh, uh, this episode i think it does i know it feels right it feels right so this is ross payton here and tom uh and this has been role-playing bubble radio uh episode 66 building better worlds we shall be back what makes a man is it the power in his hands is it his quest for glory give it all you got to to fight to the top 